Chris Wendelkin, and this is On The Line, my podcast where I talk to friends about all things NBA hoops. We do some NBA-related deep dives, drafts, news, and notes from around the league. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at me at online underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. You can uh, email me any questions to onthelinepod at gmail.com. Last, if you could please rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher iTunes, or wherever you get podcasts. I greatly appreciate it. All right, coming up, we got Ben Curl on the line. Uh, we're going to be doing a very special uh, Christmas-related draft for you guys. Hope you enjoy that. Um, we have a big announcement. Uh, also, I just want to say a quick thanks to uh, to everyone for the messages and for the fantasy basketball emails this week. Keep them coming in. It's, uh, it's obviously the highlight of my week. I love hearing from you guys, so... Uh, Keep the messages coming in, but without further ado, now here it is, the one, the only, the draft with Ben Craw. All right, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be Christmas Eve, maybe even Christmas Day. On the line, a guy so enamored with the process, he actually relocated to Philadelphia. Ben Craw, BC, how, how you doing? How you feeling? Are you, are you making a, uh, a draft list, checking it twice? Uh, I, I mean, I don't. Even, I, I can't even tell you the the, the spirit of, of <laughs> Christmas joy that is consuming my heart right now. Um, this this really is. Uh, you know the, the best present I could ever ask for. Yeah, excited to to jump into this one. Yes, I am uh, coming to you from a basement in Philadelphia right now. OTL um, offices based in Philly, so now we we have a New York branch, we have a Philadelphia branch, and just exciting, man. The expansion in the company has just it's it's very exciting what's happening at uh, Team OTL. Yeah, I literally moved here the day that Jimmy Butler was traded to the That's Sixers. Right. Yep. Um, because uh, that's you know how I like to to kind of like plan my life. Um, yes. So as soon as I, I saw that you know that that uh, Woj tweet, I just picked up everything and said, "Honey, we're buying a house in Philadelphia." <laughs> I feel like your move to Philadelphia, uh, coinciding with the Jimmy Butler trade, is a deep dive that we will do at some point over the course of you know oh, once the as the podcast continues to grow, we will look back on your move and Jimmy Butler's. Uh, moved to Philadelphia as like a seminal moment in this, you know, 2018, 2019 NBA season. I think so too. It's, it's honestly kind of like, like bizarre to me how, and like, I was obviously joking earlier um, about <laughs> moving the same. I mean, we did in fact move the same day yeah. as, as the Jimmy Butler trade, but obviously that was not planned, but it's like very uh, bizarre to me. The fact that over the past year, thanks to this podcast, I've become well, like, yeah. deeply, deeply obsessed with. Uh, you are a Sixers fan. You, like you basically I, are. Every, I mean, I, yeah, they're like your second I was, like, team. Sort of starting to become one, yeah. and then we did our our Colangelo uh, pod, tweet yeah. draft. Yeah, or yeah, not draft, but pod, and then and then we did our our entire ongoing Allen Iverson uh, saga. Yeah. And then on top of that, I just happened to move to Philadelphia. So it's a little weird. The stars uh, but, have aligned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. BC, I'm uh, certainly not unhappy about it. We got, we got a couple things I want to just check off before we hop into it with the draft. Uh, we're going to be yeah. drafting trees today. Um, and I want to have a quick discussion about trees. But before before that, we have a qu- couple of quick announcements. Um uh, BC, in addition to iTunes and Spreaker, we are now streaming in Stitcher. So you can go download the Stitcher app. You guys can download the Stitcher app if you're looking for an alternative to Apple Podcasts. Very and, nice. And um, 
BC, we have a major announcement here. We I have- heard something about this on your last podcast. I am so honored and excited to, to hear what this is. Uh, so what's, what's going on? BC, first of all, uh, here in the New York office, we are still waiting on your signed NDA. We are obviously recording this a few days before uh, it will be released. So you are sworn to secrecy. But by the day this podcast comes out, this will be... It'll be news to the whole world. Everyone will know about this. Um, Oh, my God. So here it is. So, BC, Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, on the line. What what do we all have in common? What what do all those great companies have in common? Apple, Google, Facebook, Netflix. Yep. Yes. I I don't even we like are, other than captains of industry of course we are yeah. innovators we are disruptors we all provide content and BC That's right that's right what do all content companies have I want you to open up a tab in your internet browser right now and do me a favor type this in Okay ready Okay I'm doing it type www w dot oh shit on the line podcast dot com bc oh my welcome to the world wide web my friend yeah there it is look at that look at that that beauty look at that so that's got oh that's gorgeous yeah it's got all the episodes up there uh i'm still polishing it off yeah still putting a couple things in place there but um We are we are live, my friend. It is uh, it, it's been a, a little bit of an undertaking, but uh, I am stoked. We have a website. I mean, look at this! Look at this library of episodes. Look Isn't at this body of work that, that you built up. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy, to be honest. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, I remember when you started this thing. You know, back last. Dude, was it, has it been it, a year? It's How almost it a year. Yeah, it was the trade deadline. It was this past trade deadline. Wow. And yeah. uh, that'll be in February, and it's like. We are we are approaching the one year mark with the OTL, and wow. uh, yeah. So I felt we needed a website, just a, a place where you could get all of our stuff. And there it is. We are live uh, online. Uh, and this uh, is a beautiful thing. Congrats, congrats to you. Congrats to us. Congrats, congrats to the to audience. The yeah, I mean, yeah. we are we are on we are online. Uh, mm. So uh, there it is, beautiful. your Christmas present. A beautiful thing. All right, that's fantastic. BC, Way to go. We are hopping. Nice hustle. In, thank you. We are hopping into it with uh, with, with a draft of uh, trees. That's we right. Felt, it's the felt, Christmas season. Yeah. What better? How 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 better to celebrate than than by celebrating the tree? Exactly. So can we have just a quick? I don't think either of us necessarily is going to be tipping our hand here, but can we just have a quick <laughs> conversation about? You know, what are the qualities of a tree? What exactly is a tree? When we talk about NBA trees, what are we interested in? What are we thinking about? Uh, well, you- before we even get to that, yeah. can I just ask you, Chris? Yes. Is this is this the is this the most excited yeah. you've ever been for no a draft? Doubt. No doubt. No it, doubt. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very <laughs> personal. I I mean, I can't <laughs> I can't hide it. This is a very personal draft for me. Uh, the tree the the tree position is. Um, you know, it's just it's who it's it's who I am, who I aspire to be is an NBA tree, um, mm-hmm. and I, I like I said, I just, this is a the subject matter is very close to my heart. These are all players that I think about deeply. Their place, their lore in the league is something that matters to me tremendously. Um, 
you know, and and they're not necessarily guys. Well, I, I don't even want to get into that. I don't even want to make a comment on that. All I'm saying is each one of them is so special in their own way. And uh, yeah, I've 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 been thinking about this tree draft for quite a while. Yeah, this is the one that you that you've been preparing for like it's, pretty much all your life. It's the one I've wanted. Yeah, BC. So what? When we think about trees, uh, we I mean, obviously, you know, what comes to mind for me is like tall. Sure, you know, like we're yeah. we're talking about exceptional height. For me, there's also a quality of mystery. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if you can relate to that at all. But, you know, in my I, research, looking at some of these trees, there was a mysterious quality to many of these MBA trees. <laughs> um, I think I know what you're getting at. I'm yeah. not, it, it's like this sort of I don't of want like, to comment on it too much because we can sort of elaborate after each pick. But, yeah, um, yeah. But there is sort of this intangible, like, yes. I'm, I'm not sure if, if like, mystery is the word i would i would use mm-hmm. to describe it but i think mm-hmm. i know like what you're kind of like mm-hmm. like the the, the thing that you're at. scratching at yep yeah it's really hard to, to describe and explain exactly but I think, yeah yeah and yeah. it's funny to me because like so when we came up with this draft um you know as per the standard rules of drafts we were not allowed to discuss um discuss whatsoever beforehand right. no um, parameters so I, we're not talking about is this a tree is that not a tree is this a tree we don't, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just we, purely. We, we came up with these sort of definitions entirely independently, but I have a yep. feeling we're like kind of uh, like arrived at the same place. When yes. It comes to the, tr- the tree. Sure. Sure. And if we yeah. haven't, by the way, if we haven't, I want to say right now that's totally fine. I'm oh, so sure, open sure. to whatever a tree is, and and for the other drafts we're going to be doing too, because invariably. We're going to not, I don't, I don't mean to say cross signals, but like, you know, everyone's going to interpret things differently. So, uh, but let's just hop into it here. So based on our last draft, which was signature moves, um, you had the first pick in the signature moves draft. God damn it. You're right. I did. So I will be, I will be the first overall tree and BC, um, now there's a very clear. I mean, from in my draft, um, I did mention to you beforehand. Um, I had a very, very clear number one. Like there was only there was only one guy that could be number one. So I'm going to be extremely disappointed if you pick him over me. Well, that's interesting that you say that, BC, because <laughs> um, I want to uh, I want to make some history here on the pod. I'd okay. like to uh, I'd like to offer you a trade. Oh my goodness! A trade. We've BC, never done a trade. Can before. I interest you in the number one overall pick in the tree draft? Ooh! Wow! 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 So now, how does this work? If so I get, if what, I trade... what I'd like to do is, uh, well, I mean, look, let's negotiate it. What I'd like to, but I, I, what I'd <laughs> essentially like to do is some sort of pick swap, right? So yeah, I could tell you, yeah. I, could, I mean, I could tell you what I'm interested in. God knows, I mean, I, who wouldn't want the number one overall tree? Right, sure. But um, so I've got some assets as well. You do. You know? I mean, I I also happen to know you're the number one overall pick in the nicknames draft. Right. And right. I'd be happy to talk to you about the number one nickname. Um, uh-huh, maybe uh-huh. we can spice. Maybe you could spice it up for me, or I'd be open to. Su- you know, maybe it's like I get the number one nickname overall pick, and then we also do like a swap of fifth rounders, where you you know what I mean, where uh, mm-hmm, I pick mm-hmm. fourth and then fifth. Or um, another right, like another another idea I would be open to is so right now I'm currently slated to pick first overall and third overall, and you're going right. to pick, pick second and fourth. We could do something like 
if you if you would be interested in sending me the third pick, I'd move mm. back to select two and three if you want to take one and four. Mm, okay, I see. Yeah, you know what? Um, Anything there interests you? Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely ready to do business here. Let's the talk. number one. I'm I'm a highly motivated buyer. Let's do um, it. You could yeah. say. Yeah. So I'll give you. I'm looking to move um, back. I mean, that, that, here's the thing. I I um there are a lot of trees I'm real fond of. And, uh, and I'm happy to move back. I'm happy to move back. Yeah. Okay. My trees, my trees like are not as I, they tail off a little bit after number one. So I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for number one and I'm willing to give you number one in nicknames plus, um, a, a, like a swap of round two and three so okay great so, so you would go i would go one you would go two three and then i would go four you go great. four i go yeah i'm okay. in is i'm that, in i'm is that, totally that works for you? Yep, i'm totally in let's do it all right baby here yeah. we go Boom. the official first draft trade oh my god of on the line that was fun that was we fun. made history yeah, yeah. i yeah. feel like we're that setting a good. precedent for future drafts. for both sides, you know. Yeah. I feel like both teams improved there. Absolutely. Yeah. No. No. No losers in that trade. Um, all right, you're on the clock with the first overall pick uh, in the 2018 yeah, tree draft. Here we go. The number one pick for Team Craw in the on the line trees draft is none other than seven foot four Utah Jazz legend Mark Eaton. Wow. Gosh, yep. there it is. I had a feeling. Yep. Wow. The only man that I could have ever imagined, frankly, um, as the prototypical, just the, the most tree-like human I've I've ever witnessed in my life. Great. Um, Mark Eaton. I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into to Mark Eaton. His whole. Do you know much about his whole story of how he arrived in the NBA? I don't. Why don't you can certainly walk us through it. I obviously know of him doing research on trees. Um, yeah. He was someone that I knew was going to be, I knew he was going to be right up there. And I just, I made a conscious effort to say, I, I'm not, I don't have the emotional investment here to take him first <laughs> overall. And I had a feeling you might want to do it. So that's why I was yeah. like, why don't I really? So you, so did you, would he not have been your first pick if you no, had he would have, one? No, he would have been right there. The thing is like, mm-hmm. I wanted, like I said, this is one of the most personal drafts I've ever been involved with. <laughs> and I felt strongly that I needed to make a first overall choice that was mm-hmm. root that was rooted in my fan experience. And Mark mm-hmm. Eaton, when was Mark Eaton around for the jazz? It was like the was it the late the 80s? yeah early eighties yeah. to early nineties, right? And I it just was kind of not on in my consciousness as an NBA fan. Okay. So sure, uh, I get that. T- take it and run with it, Mark Eaton. Okay, so Mark Eaton again. I'm I'm sort of like you. Obviously, I I wasn't around for for the bulk of his career. I, I like barely remember him i think his final year was like 92 93 um which was like the first year that i really got into basketball um but he like the more i learned about him the more i like saw like old you know old film of him um yeah his final season was 92 93 um he had a a relatively short career only 11 seasons and i will explain why so mark eaton was born in inglewood california um, really didn't play basketball at all. Um, and, and, uh, I think he played like a little bit of high school ball. Um, but you know, it was just like 
totally uncoordinated, um, really had, had no skill or like frankly passion for the game. Um, so after graduating from high school, Eaton attended the Arizona Automotive Institute wow. in Phoenix. Wow. And he, uh, and he did not play any basketball, um, at that, um, institution as it was an automotive school. Um, and he graduated as a service technician and then he worked as an auto mechanic for three years. Unbelievable. Wait, we're talking about a mechanic, a mechanic. He was an auto mechanic. Yeah. He worked at a garage, you know, going under the hood of a car. Sure. Getting on the, on the little, you know, I need an oil change. My Cadillac converter blew out. Yeah. Lying down on the dolly so he could slide in under, you know, he's got those canvas, those canvas overalls. He's doing the grunt work. He's changing, He's yeah. changing oil. Sure. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's replacing rotating some, tires. Some, uh, some, yep. some spark plugs, perhaps tightening yeah. some lug nuts. Of course, all a of fucking, it. A seven foot four auto mechanic. Unbelievable dude. So in around, uh, uh, April of 1977, a guy named Tom Lubin, mm-hmm. who is a chemistry professor, but also happened to be an assistant basketball coach at uh, Cypress junior college, which was uh, just outside of LA came into uh, Mark Eaton's auto mechanic shop to like get his car fixed, saw this tree of a man and said, Hey, why don't you come play basketball at my junior college? Eaton was like, no, not interested. No, thank you. And the guy literally just came back in and like bugged him about it. Like, and, and basically proceeds to like beg him to come and play basketball for him. Sorry, you said he's um, a chemistry professor. Yeah, he was a chemistry professor. Okay. But you know how like these small schools, you right. know, like the, you don't the get to just to, be the basketball have coach. to help coach yeah. the team, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, we're not, we're not talking about Kentucky over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, it's not like John Calipari, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, finally, after like twenty five times of this guy coming into Eaton shop, he's like, "Fine, I'll come try out for your stupid basketball team." Um, so he proceeds to be like, you know, pretty, pretty okay. Um, playing for this, uh, junior college. Um, and then, you know, he's, um, good enough that I guess in like 1980, he transfers to UCLA, you know, by this point he's about 33 years old. Um, <laughs> no, not really, but, um, he's 25, but anyway, maybe 26. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Like, older right like pretty much like, like past the point where he was a mechanic for three years yeah 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 um <laughs> like that was his plan was to like marry his uh his like high school sweetheart and like she mechanic. was like a nurse yeah. yeah they were gonna like settle down yeah anyway so he transfers to ucla he he plays like 40 minutes total um in his like senior season um pretty much just like rides the bench doesn't really do anything of note uh, and then one day at, at practice, none other than Wilt Chamberlain sees him wow. and takes him aside, sees, sees uh, you know, the, the frustration on his face um, and, uh, and is basically like, hey, dude, listen, you need to like not like even worry about playing offense anymore. Just focus on defense and protecting the rim and rebounding. Just like play basically like, just play your role right. and, um, you know, you'll be fine. And Eaton cites this as like a huge turning point in his career. So after that, he kind of shifts his whole approach. Um, and then, you know, he's still like a seven foot four dude. So in 1982, the Utah Jazz decide to gamble on this guy. They draft him in the fourth round of the 1982 draft. Um, Eaton is 25 years old when he's drafted. He turned 26 his rookie year. Um, and the jazz were like pretty bad back then. Um, this was pre Carl Malone and John Stockton. Um, I think they were drafted like the next year or Malone was drafted in like 84 right. Stockton in, in 85, I believe. Right, right. Um, 
But um, but anyway, early on um, his rookie season, um, the Jazz lose their starting center, so Eaton is, is slotted in as as the starting center. He proceeds to record 275 blocks his rookie year. Insane. That's three point three point four blocks per game. Insane. His his second year, he proceeds to record 351 blocks, which is 4.28. <laughs> blocks per game um and then his third year and by the way like anthony davis right uh like to led put this the league, in perspective yeah led led the league in block shots last year with like 197 or something like that like 200 Absurd. 200 blocks is is like enough to like lead the league 250 if you're hitting 300 blocks you're like an all-time shot blocker so his second year in the league he gets 351 his third year in the league Mark Eaton records a record 456 blocks in one season. Okay? Yeah. That's 5, 5.56 blocks per game, more than double the second most, uh, which was Hakeem Olajuwon, who had like 2.7 a game. Um, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon, he's like the all-time leading shot blocker in NBA history. Um, and yeah, Eaton is named Defensive Player of the Year, first team all-defense. Um He's just a freak. He's a complete freak. Yes. Seven foot four. Yes. Number 53. 53. Um, yeah. Number 53, which is a number that'll come up again. It's a very, very tree like number. Tremendous. Um, yeah. I feel like 50, there's just something about 53. That's just like, what, who wears that? You can't wear that number unless you're a tree. I feel like you're 50s, not ever, generally fifties are reserved for trees. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to see a point guard uh, out there rocking a number. Absolutely 53. Not. No. Um, yeah. So he's just incredible. He's one of my favorite, like, like just like weird you know the guy yep. averaged like eight eight points a game like didn't do anything else um but uh but was just you know the shot blocker to end all shot blockers which is like probably my favorite stat i don't I know why but block nothing gets me going and i know like you're the block. same way yeah like a the block. block the block shot i well, mean if you just yeah. go through can we pour one out for the block can we pour one out for the block why is that the most one of the most electrifying plays in basketball I don't know. It's there's something that it's so rare. It's so hard to 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 do a block cleanly without fouling. It's such an there's act of that's, defiance. I feel like yeah, it's like and so demoralizing to the opponent. Yeah, um, it's like the ultimate humiliation. Also, because yeah. like you know, it's a defensive stat, and I feel like so much of basketball glory is about offense, right? Like when we think about mm-hmm. NBA stars, NBA legends, nine times out of 10, we're, we're really thinking about, you know, someone's offensive game, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you know, like uh, all, all, all the greats, right? And of course, the, the block is really like one of the unsung basketball plays. And yeah, uh, it's such a, it's such a garbage man stat, you yes. know, it's, it's not, but it requires, no such, it. it requires immense skill. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's certainly a garbage man stat, but it really does require like the highest level of garbage man skill, you know? Oh yeah. The, the timing, the agility, like the body control to agility, like get a block yeah. without fouling. Um, yeah, it's, it's extremely difficult. Um, and just to, to give you one more sense of how good Mark Eaton was at getting block shots. So in his rookie year, um, he had a 12 block game, mm-hmm. um, a 12 in, in block game, 12 blocks in one game. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, if you just go through like his game logs on basketball reference, it's like, is that, is there, are those points or blocks? That sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a 12 block game and then four games later, mind you, this is still when he's a rookie. 
And most, you know, when you're a rookie, like you yeah. don't really know how the game, the pace of the game, usually a big man is just going to like foul out if he's trying to block a lot of shots. He had a 12 block in four games later. He had a 13 block game. Incredible. <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't know. That's it does just make like me wonder, so mind boggling. It does make me wonder. Um, and this doesn't, I don't take anything away from Mark Eaton or some of the other trees that we'll discuss in this draft. It does make me wonder like these premier athletes in the league, like the highest level performing athletes, Jordan, LeBron, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 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 you know, Bill Russell, whatever it is. Um, I do wonder sometimes if they, if they focused all their energies and all their efforts into something other than scoring, like if they took all the energy that they, they took that they put into scoring and they reserved it for the defensive end, could, could we see like, could Michael Jordan have like a 15 steal game or could, you know, could Kevin Durant have like 10 blocks in a game if he yeah. just didn't care about scoring? It was like, Oh, right. don't, if they just- don't even pass it to me. I'm not going to exert any effort over here. My whole thing is defense, you know, like yeah, my whole totally set their mind. I to that. do kind of wonder if we couldn't like, if they attack the ball, on the defensive end, the same way they attack the rim on the offensive end. If we could see these eye popping numbers. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. If they just conserved all of their energy on the offensive end. Yeah. Mark Eaton, um, a truly great tree. Anything else you want to share about, about Mark Eaton before we move on to the second overall pick? Um, I encourage everyone to, to go on YouTube and look up a, um, a 1990, uh, commercial that Mark Eaton okay. filmed, uh, anti-child abuse. It's just like a like a PSA um, to not abuse like, your children. It's the entire thing is just child abuse is bad. Um, wow. It's the thirty second spot from yeah. nineteen ninety, but it's great. It's it starts yeah. out with like the the shot of his feet, and then the very very slow pan up yeah. his legs and his yeah. torso. Yeah, um, it's just like a classic. Like oh my gosh, look how tall this guy is. Uh, shot. Um, oh, last thing, if there's any doubt whatsoever that uh mark eaton should be the number one tree in this draft um then i would direct you direct you to a sports illustrated article from 1989 in which uh then seattle supersonics forward xavier mcdaniel Mm -hmm. an on the line favorite um had had this quote to say about mark eaton quote he blocks up the middle like a tree wow there it is there it is there you go one one more little uh little research gem for you okay um, Mark Eaton, number one tree. All right, Team C- CW is on the clock. Um, wow! So we, now you get the next two picks. Is we get that the right? new two. We get the next two picks. That's right. Oh boy! Wow. Okay. Um, so you're going for depth here. I'm going for depth. Like I said, this is a very personal draft. My selections yeah. here, you know, my selections here are just going to be personal in nature, and so I'll. I'll just, I wouldn't I'll, expect anything else. I'll, anything else? I'll just put it like that. So with the second overall pick. Sean Bradley played yeah. for the Philadelphia 76ers, New Jersey Nets, and Dallas Mavericks over an 11-year NBA career. He was 7 foot 6 inches. Bradley was one of the tallest players in NBA history. Um, BC, he was born in West Germany. He grew up in Utah. He put mm-hmm. up, you know, solid offensive numbers as a freshman at BYU, around 14 points, seven rebounds. But it was really um, like kind of like Eaton. It was really on the defensive end that Sean Bradley made a name for himself as a tree. He averaged almost five blocks a game. Um, BC, Bradley was, Sean Bradley was one of the most debated prospects to ever come out right. of the college ranks. 
ever. Of course. Uh, he spent one year at BYU and then took a two-year hiatus from basketball for a, a religious mission. He was a devout member of the Mormon faith. And right. um, so there was a lot of speculation about like, you know, he like I alluded to earlier about mystery, right? Sean Bradley was very much a mystery in that it was unclear in, in how this guy's game would translate to the pro level, you know? And, yeah. and I think that is a reoccurring theme with many of the trees that we'll discuss today uh, is like, okay, we know he's big. We know he has these gaudy numbers, maybe in college or high school, or, you know, just the raw size of this person would indicate that he could be really effective, but you never really can be totally sure how this person will perform. So there was this great debate about Sean Bradley, about how effective he could be in the pros. Um, And then he disappears. He goes to BYU as a freshman, and then he disappears for two years. So all we really have is this footage of him as a freshman at BYU, And he wound up being selected second overall in the 1993 draft by the Philadelphia 76ers behind Chris Webber and head of who? Do you know who? And and for Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway. Standing at six foot, seven inches tall and being drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers. Bradley was given the only possible number to wear, number 76. Now, the Sixers knew they were drafting a major project here, right? So, you know, there's never been a great track record of a high-impact tree being selected so early in the draft. So, you know, he he may have been one of the most anticipated and mysterious trees of all time. (laughs) And um, there was a, a big divided opinion about his potential impact on the game, and the Sixers knew that. So they went out and they did two key things to bolster his development. First, BC, Mm -hmm. they signed Moses Malone. Moses Malone, he he comes in, he's there to tutor and mentor his young sapling, Sean Bradley, right? Especially in developing his low post game. The next thing they do, the next thing they do, and this resonates with the OTL audience in a big way, they hire a certain strength and conditioning coach (laughs) to bolster Sean Bradley's lower body. BC, does the name... Pat Croce, ring a bell. A man by the name of Pat Croce. Legendary pirate Pat Croce, who would one (laughs) day... Motivational pirate. A motivational pirate would one day own and serve as the president of the 76ers, was initially brought into the organization to help build up Sean Bradley's lower half, the lower half of his body. Um, Sean Bradley was very much uh, like a beanpole. And, uh, and, and that was one of the big concerns about him being effective in the NBA was like, can, will this twig swap, snap in half? Um, right. so Pat Croce comes in and, um, bolst, you know, he, he's brought in to, to bolster up, um, Sean Bradley, um, you know, without talking too much about the entirety of his career, you know, in my estimation, BC, Sean Bradley was the epitome of a tree, right? He's everything I want in a tree. Beginning with his long limbs, obviously the wingspan, his branches, but also his base, his tree trunk. Um, Mm. You know, he, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to put this into words. So I'm wondering if you can help me here. But like I, like I alluded to earlier, there was a mysterious, also like ghost-like quality about Sean Bradley. Um, Yeah, I would definitely describe his visage as ghostly. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
there... like there was something very like creepy and gaunt uh, about him. Well, I, I also, I... you know, I think like one of the big things here is just the skin pigmentation. Like he was literally yeah, just very extremely pale. pale. Was, extremely pale. Extremely pale. You know, he's and... seven foot six and extremely, extremely white. Um, and, and, and never once did, did I ever see like the slightest hint of a shade of facial hair on his face and it would just like go or frankly the, or Frank, frankly the rest of his body. I I would love to even have like armpit hair. No, I would just like go to the, like, I would want to get this guy to the beach, right? Like, or just like, yeah, just get a tan. It would, it would have gone a long way if he could have just sort of not, he was nearly translucent. Um, yeah, and he was also kind of like a a strong but silent type. Yep. And um, also, I, I wanted to say, in addition to his skin being so white, he played for the Sixers and the Nets, and the base color of their jersey was also predominantly <laughs> white. And I think that yeah. kind of also underscored how pale he was, right? Y- yeah. But um, with that being said, Sean Bradley quietly was a force i mean i know he was a bit of a punchline you know he he didn't necessarily always live up to what everyone wanted him to be he was kind of a maddening player in a way his offensive game would come and go he had a number of triple doubles think the like 20 20 and 10 variety like 20 points 20 rebounds and 10 blocks but Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean mostly he was a stalwart defender and you know they actually created a stat based uh, around Sean Bradley called Intimidations. Have you heard of this? I and have. They, I, I didn't realize they created that for him or based on him. I, I mean, it was the first I heard of it. I sh- I, hmm. m- maybe I'm being a little presumptuous. It, yeah, the first time I read of Intimidations was in doing my research about Sean Bradley. And it was the number yeah. of times uh, you know, statisticians believe that an opponent did not take a shot because of Sean Bradley's presence in the, pace, in the paint. Wow. In the play. So, That's an awesome stat. Yeah, um, I'm I'm uh, I'm in on Sean Bradley. Uh, yeah, he he, he is... also did lead. He led the league in blocks in 2001. That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he actually wound up having a really nice career with the Mavericks. I think he. Yeah, that's right. He, you know, he he always he could never really live up to the draft pedigree. You know, in terms of like he was he was picked between Chris Webber and Penny Hardaway. Both guys could right. wind up in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, it, he was always going to be a bit of a disappointment in that regard. But he actually did have a nice career there and settled in uh, with the Dallas Mavericks towards the end. Also, I, th- I think it has to be noted that, I th- in large part, due to his height and his, um, I guess, like kind of like lack of of intimidation uh, skills. Um, he was. It seemed like he was getting constantly dunked on. Yeah. Like. Like dudes, like well, he like became a target, him, right? He became sought like, him out exactly. Yeah, there was yeah. a, there was an absolute target. If you can dunk on this seven foot six giant, like, and it turns out, like, yeah, he blocked a lot of shots, but because of that, like, he also went for a lot of, you know, shots that he missed, and 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 ended up getting completely embarrassed on, yeah. you know. a, a poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's just you know, hey, that's part of the uh, the life of a tree, I guess. So. Um... All right. Sean Bradley. I mean, great pick. You can't argue with that pick. That's a, that's a great overall, first overall for uh, for Team C Dubs. Well done. Well so, done. Thank you. With the third overall pick, uh, with the third overall pick, um, maybe a bit of a dark horse here, uh, mm. but I am actually gonna uh, I'm actually gonna get some audio assistance here. So um, this oh person boy. was actually once a guest on a late night talk show hosted by David Letterman. <laughs> 
And so why don't I let uh, Dave do the intro here? This is David David Letterman back in, I believe, 1990, uh, sometime in the mid-90s. Here it is. All right. At uh, seven feet, seven inches, our next guest uh, ties the record for being the tallest uh, player ever in the NBA. Beginning April 10th, they'll be starring in a new film entitled My Giant. From the Washington Wizards, here's the leggy George Murison. Uh, George! So yeah, my selection is George Murison with the third... The leggy George Murison. The third overall pick, George Murison. So uh, George Murison had a nice career with the Washington Bullets and the New Jersey Nets. Seven foot seven out of uh, Romania. He mm-hmm. uh, is tied with Manute Bull for the tallest player ever to play in the NBA. He played professionally in France. He was selected by the Bullets in the second round with the 30th pick in the 1993 draft. Um, he played for seven years from 93 to 2000. You know, he, he showed signs of a promising career, um, but he was kind of derailed by injuries. He came into the 94, 90, uh, 95, 96 season, averaging like 14 and a half points per game. He was named most improved player of the year in 95, 96, uh, averaging 14 points, nine and a half rebounds, two and a half blocks. Um, Outside of basketball, obviously he da- he dabbled in acting. He he played the title character in the 1998 film uh, My Giant, starring uh, <laughs> Billy Crystal. And, he was the the titular giant. Yes, and he appeared as a ventriloquist in a music video for Eminem in the breakthrough single <laughs> My Name Is, and he also appeared in a wow, series of commercials I... for Snickers and ESPN. So yes. <laughs> Um, wow. when we talk about George, about when we talk about George M&M. Mirasan, we have to <laughs> understand the entire picture here. Um, would you say that aside from, from his injuries, do you think his, his career was, um, somewhat derailed by yes. the lure of, of, of the Hollywood? glamour of Hollywood? Do you, do you I think don't play a, a factor. <laughs> Dude, if you, if you watch that Letterman interview, I don't think there's any doubt that he wanted to be a star. Um, (laughs) I mean, uh, but he was very clear that basketball was his number one passion, but Letterman sort Uh of teased it out of him. was like, you know, maybe there's going to come a a point at which you can't play anymore. And, you know, he knew Hollywood would be waiting for him. And he Mm -hmm. did well. I mean, he's made a number of commercials. Obviously, he was in the music video with Eminem. Um, Mm -hmm. But sticking to his his NBA days, you know, unlike some of the other trees... Murasan had a, you know, he was a more traditionally muscular, he had like a more traditionally muscular NBA physique. At least it appeared yeah. to me to my, you know, un, untrained, unprofessional eye. Um, yeah, he and, he and Eaton kind of had a similar body type where they weren't nearly they as weren't like, like freakishly skinny, right, yes. as you think they would be. This guy had some real dexterity with the ball. I got to say, he could move, he could shake, he could slide around in the paint. And mm-hmm. he had a frame, you know, like he had that more muscular frame that would allow him to battle and bruise with some of the, you know, the titans of the 90s NBA center position, be it Shaq or Olajuwon or Ewing or Robinson or Smiths. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a guy that dropped 27 points and uh, 11 rebounds and eleven and four four blocks on Jordan's Bulls in 96. Um, Damn, wow. Yeah, I mean, he could, he could really play. Um, yeah. But it was really injuries that derailed Murasan's career. And, um, you know, he could have been a big-time player if he stayed healthy. But that being said, his impact, his career in the cinema makes him, for me, an all-time tree. 
Uh, mm-hmm. My Giant, written and produced by Billy Crystal. The script was inspired by his actual, actually by his friendship with Andre the Giant, which he formed during the making of, of The Princess Bride. Billy Crystal right, and Andre the Giant became very good friends. And so Billy Crystal wrote this script about, um, it's about, a, I guess, a talent agent who goes to Romania and nearly gets into a car accident and is saved by this gigantic man, George Murison, who saves his life. And Billy Crystal is convinced that he could be the next great movie star and brings him to Hollywood and, you know, comedy ensues. So can I ask you, sure. have you ever actually seen that movie? I have. It's been a while. I have to say it's really <laughs> been a while. I don't remember all of the details, but I rewatched the trailer last night. And, wow. I'm ashamed um, to say I'd never I never actually seen it. Yeah, um, you should give it a look. It really does look quite heartwarming. Um, yeah yeah i i mean it's a little i don't think i totally realized that it was based it's kind of odd to i didn't me realize that, that that it was based on on uh andre. like on yeah on, on andre and then you know by then andre had had tragically uh passed away yeah and it's i don't know it's a little weird to me that billy crystal was just like oh i'll just find another massive human to, to make this to play movie. that role yeah exactly. yeah yeah like yeah. Yeah. I think if there's any if there's anyone that has maybe as as uh, deep an obsession with trees as you, Chris, it might be it might be Billy Crystal. Wow. Gosh, that's saying a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> all right. So the first three picks to recap are Mark Eaton, Sean Bradley, and now we have George Murison, a solid top three. BC, you are on the clock with the fourth overall pick. Uh, the the pick is yours. The tree is in. Who is it? Um, well, for me, I've got to go with a fairly obvious choice. Um, mm-hmm. It's the man who earned the nickname Tree, and I am, of course, speaking of Wayne Tree Rollins. Oh, baby. Number Tree 30 Rollins. for the Atlanta Hawks, Tree Rollins. Let's go. He, was, uh, he wasn't quite as tall as some other trees. He stood at seven foot one, but uh, just, just a monster of a man. You know, a huge, like, uh, you know, 250, 270. Uh, w- was his weight at, at different uh, times in his career. Um, yeah, he was like um, never amazing, but just like a solid, you know, rebounding, shot blocking, um, kind of mainstay of the uh, of the '80s Atlanta Hawks. A seventeen-year um, career is that what I'm seeing? Yeah, seventeen years. I mean, when you're that tall and you can stay healthy, you're, you're going to have work. You, you have know? value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he was really not known for all that much. Um, I, I was introduced to him um, mostly from all of the uh, slam dunk highlight VHS tapes I had as a kid. Yeah. And in every single one of those tapes, you would see the famous dunk by Michael Jordan, where he does like the one handed ball fake to like freeze two defenders and then just glide through the lane and, and one hand slams it over Tree Rollins. Um, and, uh, and I feel like it was just like, one of his most famous dunks. And I was always like, Oh yeah, tree Rollins, the guy that Jordan dunked on yep. and, all, and all those highlight tapes. Um, but uh, yeah, he played 11 seasons with Atlanta, then bounced around to a few different teams, ended up his career in Orlando um, where he served as both a player and assistant coach at the same time, oh, that's which fun. I feel like, yeah. In, uh, in, in, in the 94, 95 season, he was, um, I think he was like literally like on the Orlando coaching staff. And then they like, suffered some injuries or something like that or had to cut someone and they like just didn't have uh anyone to back up Shaquille O'Neal so Rollins was like yeah I can still play so he just jumped wow. in threw on some shorts and uh and was Shaq's backup um 
for the 94-95 season. Um, yeah, I'm looking, at also, his, I'm looking at his basketball reference page. It's incredible, you know... You know, when these trees get minutes, they often perform. And, they're, oh, yeah. you know, he was, he very much, towards the latter half of his career, was, you know, a guy that was playing 14 minutes a night, t- you know, 20 minutes a night. But in that one 1982 1983 season with Atlanta, he starts mm-hmm. 80 games, he plays 30 minutes a night. He's putting up seven points, nine rebounds, and almost four and a half blocks a game. Yeah. Um, yeah. He led the league in blocks a couple, a couple seasons, I believe. Yeah. Um, in the uh, in the early 80s yeah he led the league in blocks in 82 83 um and another fun story from the uh, the 83 season uh during the playoffs in game three of the eastern conference quarterfinals the hawks were uh, facing the boston celtics and he got into a bit of a scuffle with uh now celtics gm danny ainge wow um who is a pretty much notorious bastard um <laughs> both now and and in his playing days yeah um Apparently, Ainge called uh, Tree Rollins a sissy. Um, so Rollins elbowed Ainge in the face. Ainge subsequently, <laughs> Ainge subsequently tackled Rollins to the ground, and the two began to wrestle. And then, according to uh, news reports, Rollins then bit Ainge's middle finger so badly that it requires stitches and a tetanus shot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> After the fight, Ainge was ejected, not Tree Rollins. Um, the Celtics did, of course... <laughs> go on to uh to win the series um but the uh the incident was uh documented uh the next day in the boston herald with the headline quote tree bites man wow wow yeah, i so love that i love that a little, a little Did, tree trivia for Danny, you Danny age getting what he deserves i love oh it. yeah i love it yeah so my number two pick uh, the, 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 uh, you know, the man who earned the name tree, tree sure. Rollins. tree Rollins. I love that pick. All right. Yeah. I am on the clock. This is the fifth overall pick. It will be my third selection. Um, so there is some dispute about the exact location and date of Manute Bull's birth in Sudan. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, which immediately yeah. lends him credibility as a mysterious trick. Such a mysterious tree. He uh, is already like shrouded in mystery, which again for (laughs) me is like a great, you know, that's a great sign. If you have mystery, you know, if there's some uncertainty about your whereabouts, where you're from, (laughs) when you came into existence, I'm in on you, especially if you're seven plus feet. So he came from a family of tall people. His parents were six foot ten. His great grandfather was actually seven foot ten inches. Seven foot ten inches. Seven foot ten. Incredible, right? Jesus Christ. Minute Bull had incredibly long limbs. He had a forty-nine inch inseam on his pants. He had the largest ever wingspan at eight foot six inches. To give you an idea, Rudy Gobert is seven foot one and currently has a wingspan of seven foot nine inches. Minute Bull had a wingspan of eight feet six inches. Um, That is. Yeah. That's abnormal. So while Manupal was incredibly tall, he was also really thin. And he actually only weighed 180 pounds when he came to the United States, if you can imagine. That, that. is impossible. Yeah. So when the Washington Bullets had him, uh, when they drafted him, they had him work with a strength and conditioning coach. At first, uh, all he could do was 10 repetitions on a bench press of 45 pounds. Or in other words, he could just lift the bar. Um, right. And that's all he could do. So going into the 1985 NBA draft, scouts felt that Manu, 
you know, needed another year or two of college, but he opted to go into the draft because he uh, he felt that it was the only way to earn enough money to get his sister out of Sudan, which was in a state mm-hmm. of political unrest. Um, he was selected seventh overall by the Washington Bullets and uh, making matters even more incredible. In 1987, the Bullets then selected uh, five foot three point guard Muggsy Bogues and pairing them together, making them the tallest and shortest players to ever play in the league together. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're a kid watching basketball and you, and you see like, there's such a novelty a, to, yeah. um, to these people. I mean, they are like superheroes and, and, and like literal giants. So when you're like a little kid and you see like a seven foot seven dude and a five foot three dude on the same team wearing the same jersey. Like that just like captures the imagination, yep. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I Over love the it. course of his career, Manupal averaged about two points, four rebounds and a three, almost three and a half blocks a game on about 18 minutes a night. He didn't have much of an offensive game because of his slender physique, but he was a really a fear defender and had a sneaky, uh, good three point shot. He, That's right. I was going to say he was yeah. a very proto, um, you know, ahead of his time stretch three point five, shooting right? big man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was very. He was also very active in charitable causes, which I thought was noteworthy throughout his NBA career. Nice. He spent much of his money. He spent most of the money that he made as uh, over the course of ten years in the NBA, supporting various causes related to, um, you know, his his homeland, the war ravaged. Uh, country of Sudan. He frequently visited uh, Sudanese refugees in camps, and um, he's just a stand-up dude. What I love most about this guy, among many different things, is his slingshot jump shot. So to to give the audience uh, an image, he would cock the ball all the way back behind his head, almost where like the skull meets the neck, that is where he would like hold the ball and then he would fling it at the hoop almost in the way that like a goalkeeper in soccer hurls a ball downfield. That's how he was shooting. Um, and this was necessary because he had literally no muscle that's on right. his arms. That's right. So he couldn't shoot it in the so traditional manner. Slingshotting the ball was his best option. And, yeah. uh, and he did it. And he did it from deep. He once hit six three-pointers and a half against the Sixers and uh, for the Sixers. And he actually went seven for seven from three uh, on that game against the uh, Phoenix Suns against Charles Barkley and the Phoenix Suns. Um, right. Right. Was that with the Sixers or the, uh, the Warriors? Didn't he have some crazy, like he also had a crazy, yep. He also had a crazy game with the Warriors when uh, I, I think Don Nelson was coaching the Warriors. They, they just, the, the crowd started chanting him to shoot, shoot, shoot. And he knocked down a bunch of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was almost, I think he was maybe as skinny a tree that we've ever had in the NBA. And he defied, yeah, without he, doubt. he defied the odds. And that's something I really love and admire. And, you know, as a fan, I gravitate towards guys who succeed against all odds, you know? Yeah. And, and, and all of these trees in today's draft are really, many of them are really Cinderella stories, you know? Absolutely. And, and Manute Bull, migrating over from Sudan without knowing how to read or write or speak English, much less play basketball. He played division two, uh, division two basketball at the university of Bridgeport. And, um, nice. he had a cup of coffee. Yeah. He had a cup of coffee with the Rhode Island gulls of the USBL. Um, <laughs> all right. Manute bull. You are one of the greatest wisest trees in the forest of the NBA big men. And, and we salute you. 
And also uh, an insanely accomplished shot blocker, by the way. So that's right. throughout the eighties, the the few seasons that Mark Eaton didn't lead the league in blocks, it was bull. He he uh, he had three hundred ninety seven blocks in the eighty five eighty six season to lead the league. Um, also led the league in eighty nine with three hundred forty five. Like incredible. Yeah, he was like yeah he, special he knew what play he was doing out there. All right, moving right along, my third pick. In the trees draft. Now, this is not going to be a household name. It Love might it. not even be a name that, like, a pretty uh, devoted NBA fan might might remember. Um, but when you talk about, you know, personal, um, this one's a little personal for me. Uh-huh. So my, my, my third pick uh-huh. in the trees draft is Randy Brewer. Wow. Randy Brewer. Is that... Does that name ring any kind of bell? It does ring a bell. I'm thinking he played in the 80s. Yes. Yes, he was. He was a seven foot three center. Now, for me, like when you talk about mysterious, there's something um, like Let's talk for me mystery. a tree. Yeah. yeah, there's mystery and there's like there's like kind of like abnormality mm-hmm. um, to, to to that that has to like sort of like. Um, be be a part of a tree, and sure. there's something extremely abnormal to me about the height seven three. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's like famous players that are seven two, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yes, Kemba Mutombo, yes. We've got some famous seven foot four guys, Mark Eaton, uh, 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 aforementioned uh, Rick Smith, Ralph mm-hmm. Sampson. We're mm-hmm. seven th- four, but seven three is just such a completely random, like weird. Like obviously, it's like freakishly abnormally tall, but it's yes. also just like even more rare somehow yes. than 7'2 or 7'1 or 7'4 or even 7'6 like mm-hmm. Yao Ming and, and Sean Bradley. Like that's a number we can all land on. Yeah. It's yeah. just so random. Um, <laughs> so I love the height 7'3 uh, for, for a human. Um, so yeah, Randy Brewer um, played the bulk of his career for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, which is uh, sort of funny since his last name is Brewer and he wow. played Milwaukee. Great. Um, but uh, but yeah, was uh, was a member of like some of those really, really awesome, um, like kind of unheralded uh, '80s Bucks teams that would win like you know 55 or, or 59 games in a season um, had like crazy good defense, you know, led by um, Sidney Moncrief, all, all those teams. Um, so he was on a couple of those um, early in his career, um, and then got traded uh, to the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, later in his career. Um, but the thing about Randy Brewer that, that kind of convinced me that I had to draft him with a, with a pretty high pick. I mean, I, obviously I could have gotten him probably later in the draft, but, um, but there was a basketball card. Um, I'm going to, again, this is a sort of, uh, not ideal since I, uh, you know, this is not a, a visual format that we're working in here. Um, but I'm going to email you a, a photo of, of a basketball card, Chris. Okay. Yep. Um, so you can see. Um, there was a, a set of cards, uh, in like 1990, uh, it was the NBA hoops series. Um, and, uh, I don't know why, but for some reason I had access to these as a kid, like they were sold at some like ice cream shop or whatever. So I just bought them all. NBA um, hoops? Uh, yeah. Hoops was, was basketball it a, cards. was it like a division of, uh, like Fleer or what, what like, what were the prominent? Honestly, I don't even know. It didn't, it didn't have, <laughs> it was more Fleer, like a, it, it was like an indie, it was like an indie basketball card. I don't know what it I don't know what it was. Yeah. I've been trying to figure that out. I don't, I don't know who produced it, That's um, amazing. Of course. but they were, but they were the cards that you, um, that had like that arch, uh, design. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, like the wooden yeah. arch. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, well, no, not wooden, but like it, it was like arched, you know, like a like a like a half, like a semicircle. Um, oh, anyway, whatever. Yeah, yeah. To- um, totally pointless. But if you if you open the email that I just sent you and you see this basketball card uh, of Randy Brewer um, on the Timberwolves, it's it's a photo that's taken in such a way. There's wow. a player behind. Wow. There's a player behind him. Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> but he, he looks First like of all, a, a, yes of course nba hoops i had these cards too second of all yeah. this is an amazing photo of randy brewer i encourage everyone listening right now to uh how would we find Google, this image nba Google hoops randy brewer randy nba brewer? hoops basketball card um he looks like a monster with three arms yes it's, it's just like every time i saw this card as a kid it just put a smile on oh, my face oh god um because he's already like kind of an awkward looking dude he's like a very big tall gangly white guy with yeah. like a receding hairline yeah kind of a, a prominent brow um and then when you add to that um a third arm uh it's really it's really just one of the, my favorite basketball cards what's of all amazing time. about um, this photo is there's probably a guy standing behind him that's i don't know six foot nine six foot ten <laughs> and it, he is like fully blocked out of the photo yeah he's completely you don't see any you can just of see this other... like one straggling arm that's like yeah. reaching yeah he has like a baby arm growing out of his main large arm so um good. Yeah, it's the best. Um, uh, so literally for that reason alone, uh, <laughs> Randy Brewer is my third pick in the Trees draft. Um, uh, I love it. Yeah. Totally support I, I, I love him. Totally support it. Yep. All right. Yep. Uh, I am up. Um, what is it? The what, what pick are we on now? I know it's my so fourth you, round pick. It's is your this number fourth, eight? I believe. Is this number eight uh, overall? Seven, I just have eight? my third. Okay. Yeah, this will be, this, this be the seventh, okay. I believe. All right, with the with the seventh overall pick, I am going to select. Oh boy, I am torn here a little bit. Um, yeah, you know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to select. Um, I'm going to select Arvidas Sorbonis. Uh, oh, he was on my list. Yeah, absolutely. So he yeah. played. Uh, Arvidas Sorbonis played around the Soviet Union throughout the '80s, leading the USSR to a gold medal in the '88 Games, and then he played with Real Madrid in the early '90s, um, and then he was drafted by the Blazers in 1986 with the 24th overall pick, but he didn't even come to the Portland Trailblazers in 1995. And so when he was 31. And so that's my, when I, he first like, you know, came into my consciousness or awareness, whatever, Mm -hmm. during those mid to late nineties Blazers teams. And he was very much at the end of his career at that point. Um, by that, by that point, he was really hobbled by injuries, past injuries. Particularly, he had a, a, a ruptured Achilles tendon and a severely arthritic foot. And the foot was actually operated on in Spain before he came to Portland. And it became infected. And there was, it was this whole situation. And actually, when the Blazers doctors looked at the MRIs and x-rays of his foot, they told the GM of, of the Trailblazers, the doctor said, the x-rays alone would get you a handicap parking permit. His foot was Jesus. that bad. It didn't look like he would ever be able to run, much less ever be able to play basketball again. So the doctor was Good like, God. so I called Bob Witsat, who was the uh, the GM of the Blazers, and said, I don't think he can play. And Bob said, oh, don't worry, he can play. And so he he came over at age 31 to play with the Blazers. After really having this prolific, prolific career 
with uh, in, in playing EuroLeague ball. And he averaged uh, 14 points and eight uh, rebounds in his first season with the Blazers. And he was eventually inserted into the starting lineup late in the season. And he, uh, he kind of uh, was one of the driving forces behind a Blazers team that went 18 and three to close out uh, the season. And they made the playoffs. And um, yeah, he was just a really special player. But the thing, the thing about this guy's game is, you know, BC, I was watching old clips of him last night. He was mm-hmm. such an incredible passer. I mean, particularly yeah. from the high post. He had these no-look passes that were incredible. He had a uh he had this move that was like a a wrap around up and under dunk. Um and he was just so skilled, so balanced in the paint. He was a he was a master of like the touch pass. So if mm-hmm. he he was able to like tip an entry pass so if you were at the top of the key and you threw the ball to him in the paint he would be able to like somehow tip the ball to someone driving cutting to the basket or tip the ball out to someone at the three-point line and right, just redirect it with one tap yeah. dude with like one finger and, yeah, and um, like spot on accuracy incredible accuracy and yeah. I, I, he had a he had like a wrap behind the back pass that and he threw these passes that were like bullets and yeah. um, I mean, he was just a crazy passer. He was he was acrobatic. He, he mean, had absolute point guard skills in yeah. every body. If he was yeah. a normal sized person and he did this stuff on a playground, he'd get beaten up by his opponent by his competition because it come <laughs> off as showboating. I mean, it was that right. level of like the passing where it was like, dude, you can't you can't do that stuff. Like that's, you're showing, it, it was almost like, you know, in football, they have a Statue of Liberty play where you like fake mm-hmm. the pass. It was like that level of like showboating where it was like, yeah. that's, you're embarrassing professional athletes on TV. He, um, I saw a cool clip. He shattered a backboard in, Ma- in Moscow when he was oh in God. his heyday. Yeah, I mean, something I just selfishly wish is that we could have seen in his prime uh, a healthy Sabonis play against like a young Shaq. Um, he is by far my number one, like, if I could change NBA history. Yep. My, like, literally, like, my top, like, we should have that draft, but just as a spoiler, like, my top pick would be have Arvita Sabonis healthy in the league at age 20. Yeah. And just see what, because he really was, like, I mean, like, when you watch tapes and you hear the stories and the legends and stuff, like, I mean, he was, like, freakishly good still at age 31 as a rookie in the NBA on, like, a completely deteriorated body. Um, and was still averaging like 18 and 10. It was and insane. Like five, it was like, insane. Yeah. The dude was a complete wizard. Um, could do whatever he wanted on the court when he was, you know, in his prime. Um, yeah. I mean, and again, much like your, your other trees, like that air of mystery. Yep. Um, made like you'd hear like stories and there wouldn't be like, you know, any videotape because he was like behind the Iron Curtain. But um, he was just like this legendary, legendary player. I mean, even now, I mean, the stuff I was watching last night, it's all grainy YouTube, you know, footage. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I mentioned like, I wish I could have seen Sabonis play young Shaq. And they actually did play each other. But Sabonis was a shell of himself when they met. Mm -hmm. And and just stylistically, I wish I could have seen those two guys duke it out. I mean, the the brute strength of Shaq versus the insane skill and guile of Sabonis would have been Yeah, absolutely. The guile, yeah. He like thought about the game too so smart and crafty yep. and yeah uh i love sabonis great yeah, pick great also player. i just realized i remembered he's also seven foot three so that's right oh wow yeah there you go 
<laughs> All right. So you are on the clock for how many picks do you have in it? Do you have? I have two left, I believe. You have two left. Okay, great. So this is my fourth, my fourth pick. Um, so I'm going to go with another guy. So it's funny because I was debating a lot about um, whether to include someone like Sabonis on my list because I feel like I know a tree. A tree can't be too good. You know, I know. Like, he was not like Sabonis. Sabonis is almost I know what you too mean. good to be a tree. Because um, a tree has to be like sort of specifically a tree and nothing yes. else. And Sabonis is like a tree plus more. I know. Um, but here's another guy that I'm gonna that I'm gonna select right now with my fourth pick is um, was also probably too accomplished uh, to really be a tree, but he's just so tree like. Um, and he's a guy I've mentioned before. It's funny because as you as you do more of these drafts, like I have players that I keep coming back to for like multiple drafts. Yep. Um, which is like not something you plan. You just sort of realize, it like, oh happens. yeah, this is a guy. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with my fourth pick, Artis Gilmore. Wow, I love it. Um, yeah, seven foot two, monster tree. Um, especially with his afro, which we yep. uh, talked about the at length in our length. in our hair yep. draft. Yep. Um, and if you haven't listened, it. if you haven't listened to the hair draft, please go back and do that. BC you talks could, you at go, length you could go about to the, this Yeah the brand new on the line website that's right and, uh, it's and, up there and find that draft in the archives thank you um, pc yeah um but artist gilmore uh, looked extremely tree-like with his afro um also wore number 53 um the most tree-like number wow. um and yeah um i mean i, I talked to him i talked about him a, a, at a pretty good length uh, in our in our uh, hair draft so i don't need to get into his whole career but um, uh, I'll sum it up by just saying, like, he was a monster. He was uh, drafted um, into the ABA. Uh, oh, dude, after, he crushed um, in the ABA. Yeah, he won Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same year. His rookie season, he was he was basically the Will Chamberlain of the ABA. Yeah, to give the fans um, listening a, a taste at home, his first year in the ABA, 23.8 points, 17.8 rebounds, five blocks, uh, yeah. two and a half assists. This is just absurd. Dominant. This is completely, absurd. completely, yeah. Just did whatever he wanted. Um, like he was just bigger, stronger, more skilled than every other dude. Um, yeah, played for the Kentucky Colonels. Um, uh, you know, was it was an All Star every season uh, that he had in the ABA. Um, hey, then FYI, maybe the, we deep dive the ABA at some point. Oh, we absolutely should. Yeah. I'm obsessed with the ABA. Okay, um, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. Um, we should uh, we should read that that book Loose Balls and do an, an OCL book review. Perhaps. That'd be great. Um, but um, but yeah, Gilmore was awesome. He also um, had a, uh, a I, I feel like um, something that is very tree like is um, is uh, is just not missing games, um, just kind of like being there all yeah. the time. Uh, a very tree like quality. And um, at one point, um, Gilmore had played in. Uh, what was it? 670 consecutive games, um, oh starting with his first year in the ABA, because the ABA had 84 game seasons. So he played all 84 games, all five years in the ABA. Then came to the NBA and played in all 82 games his first three seasons in the NBA. That's um, absurd. And then, yeah, he just didn't miss games. He basically didn't um, miss a game until he was 30. Yeah, um, <laughs> and finally he he sustained like a knee injury in the 79-80 uh, season. Um, and missed 34 games, came back to finish that season, and then played in all 82 again for the next three seasons. Incredible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, extremely tree-like, uh, that, that kind of consistency. Very much. Just, you know, hold, holding down the middle, um, number 53, 7'2", 7'10", probably with the Zafro. 
Wow. Artist Gilmore. Wow, I yeah. love that. Artist Gilmore. Yeah. I love uh, I love his reemergence on the pod. All right. Yeah. With my last uh, selection in the tree draft, um, I'm very proud to select a uh, a, a new a, a newly minted tree. This is Ooh, seven a modern tree. A modern tree, seven foot three, Serbian center. Mm-hmm. Boban Marjanovic. Boban. A, Gotta be Boban. A modern tree. Uh, he is currently playing for the Los Angeles Clippers. He previous, uh, previously played for the Spurs and Pistons. So something that modern NBA fans might not know about Boban, I certainly didn't know about it until diving into the research, is that he actually played professionally in the Balkans and around Eastern Europe for almost 10 years before he came over to the United States and played for Greg Popovich and the Spurs in 2015-2016. And then after the 15-16 season, he signed with the Pistons. He signed a three-year, $20 million contract and was and was traded with Tobias Harris for Blake Griffin the next year to, to the Clippers. But right. bo- in my opinion, BC, Boban is what a modern-day tree can look like and be. And th- and, and and that's where I want to that's where I want to end things here with my draft. Yeah. Is I want to be um aspirational with like where where are we going with trees, right? Like <laughs> I think Boban is kind of <laughs> redefining the tree position. Um He's sort of the tree of the future. He is say. yeah, he is the tree of the future. He you know, he is very much the bridge I think to like wherever we're going next with trees. Mm-hmm. Often in NBA history trees have have essentially been specialists you know like we have mostly talked about like block shot block shots specialists right like mm-hmm. the tall lanky awkward guy that's seven foot three or seven foot four or seven foot five and you know you have him swat shots for eight minutes a night and hack the opposing team center but Boban has really earned his way into the starting lineup at times this year with the Clippers. And he's one of the most efficient players in NBA history. He is mm-hmm. um, not only... Also, is he, a, a, another very tree-like quality yes, is efficiency. Efficiency. Now, not only is he... A, and we'll come back to that. Not only is he a top 10 player in player efficiency rating, PER, for athletes over 1,000 minutes. He's not only top 10. He's number one all time. Ahead of Michael, Jesus, are you serious? Yeah, ahead of Michael Jordan. <laughs> I did not realize that. Ahead of Michael Jordan, ahead of LeBron James, ahead of Shaq, Anthony Davis, and Wilt. Now, obviously, obviously, PER isn't a perfect stat, and Boban tweeted it out in a kind of like laughing at himself kind of way. You know, it's obviously a very flawed stat. Mm. No one in their right mind is comparing, you know, you know, the greatness of Boban to the greatness of Michael Jordan. But he makes the most of his time on the court. And he currently yeah. averages seven and a half points, uh, seven and a half points, uh, four and a half rebounds on about 11 minutes a night. Per, 30 mi- per 36 minutes, he would be averaging 25 points and 15 rebounds with two blocks. Now, obviously, mm. he can't play 36 minutes a night, so it's a moot point. But my point is... I, I I am hoping for a future in the NBA where we have a more uh, where we're just trees are involved more and mm-hmm. um, yeah. So also I just want to say I love Boban for how fun he is, especially yeah, I with feel his like teammates. Boban, right? Boban has really embraced his treeness in yes. a way that that maybe past trees haven't. I think he's I think he's really 
standing on the shoulders of past trees like George Murison. Absolutely. But but as you noted, like kind of improving on that formula and, and like taking that into the, you know, into the 21st century. Like he's really self-aware, it yep. seems like. He's, yep. he's very like, you he's know, having just, fun. He's, he's having fun with yeah, nature. He's he just seems like he's so happy all the time. I mean, the truth is, Obviously, these guys are like unusually large, and yeah, and and life is very difficult for them. There's yes. actually a really lengthy um, Sports Illustrated article from like 2011, I want to say, where they interview um, a bunch of these guys, including Mark Eaton and um, an artist Gilmore, and they just talk about how like life is pretty shitty when you're that big. Yeah, I mean, like you know, we think of these really huge guys and it's like well you know i how could they ever be bullied right but like the fact is right. they're the butt of a lot of jokes you know like these yeah, guys people that are, are people everywhere are, they go they're they're stared at and gawked at yeah um, they're freaks they're they're kind of yeah. you know they're 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 freaks and they're mocked and i yeah. have to say boban has really embraced his unique situation his unusually large frame 7 foot 3 and he's having fun with it and yeah. um, he's making the most of it. And I just love that. He's become good buddies with Tobias Harris. You see these guys yeah. like they're they're dancing on social media together. They're doing little comedy bits. And um, I just think it's great. And NBA fans, my, mark my words, we are, we are spoiled rotten with Boban Marjanovic. So uh, he is my last and final selection in the NBA tree draft. BC, I hand the great mic pick. to you. Great pick. I mean, I feel like it should be our last pick, but I but I do have one more. Um, Great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, yet another deep cut because I I just can't I can't uh, yep. can't resist I, mean, I can't go for the obvious picks. But <laughs> I'm gonna go with another L.A. Clipper and tell me if this is a name that you remember from the late '90s. Okay. Keith Keith Cloth. Keith Cloth. C L O S S. No, I don't. Any. Anything Keith Kloss? Yeah. He only played for three seasons <laughs> for, the, for the LA Clippers um, from 97 to 2000. This was right before they drafted uh, Darius Miles and, and Q Rich and, and Keon Dueling. So before those guys showed up, um, it was like the LA Clippers, like before they got fun. Um, but Keith Kloss was, again, seven foot three. <laughs> wow. Um, also very skinny. Um, had a just sort of an interesting like look he had an at he like sported an afro um which back like in the late 90s was he was like the only dude really like doing like a throwback look had like high socks and an afro um yeah wasn't real good didn't play many minutes um, I'm, I'm looking at a photo of him right now standing next to antonio davis they were the clippers were playing the pacers he is yeah. like head and shoulders taller than Antonio Davis. This is massive. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the hair sort of accentuates like his height. Yeah. I don't know why exactly he kind of captured my imagination. I'm I'm sort of surprised you don't remember him, but yeah, I like, he is from Hartford, Connecticut. He is from Hartford, Connecticut. So I wonder if there's not some connection there. That's possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why I like probably like ha- I was like playing like NBA live, uh, you know, in high school or something like that. And like right. was like going around and doing like fake trades and stuff and, and probably saw this like seven foot three guy named Keith Kloss, which is also just a hilarious name. Keith Kloss. Keith Kloss. Um, yeah. Keith Kloss. And yeah, he was just very tall and skinny. Um, yeah. Like, again, not a, not an accomplished player. Um, the one thing that he was sort of famous for <laughs> is that. He was the subject of a viral video in 2000 where oh, he no. got his ass beaten down by like no. a mob of people. Um, 
after like getting in like a shouting match drunk outside an LA nightclub. Oh no. Um, which is kind of sad. Um, however, there's a, um, a happy resolution. He was, a um, an admitted alcoholic back in his playing days, but he has been sober since 2008 and really, uh, you know, sort of turned his life around since, yeah. since those days. Um, so good for Keith Kloss. Yeah. I don't know why there's just something like very, like, again, that mystery where you're like, what, who was this dude? What happened to him? Yep. Um, he played like just long enough for him to like be on my radar. Yep. Um, and then, and then just disappeared. And literally it wasn't until this draft that I even like remembered the name. Um, and then I was like, Oh yeah, Keith Kloss, wow. number 33 on the Clippers. Um, but, um, but yeah, um, I don't know. That's about it. Okay. <laughs> kind of a, do you have kind any? Of an, uh, like, climax, yeah. Do you have any notable mentions? Anyone you want to uh, toss out there that you were considering, or are you really uh, are you tapped out here on your trees? Um, I mean, I definitely considered uh, Ralph Sampson, um, sure. the seven foot four phenom for yep. the Houston Rockets. Loved him, um, even though I hated him. Rick Smiths was yep. another tree. Sure. Um, um that was like yeah, a I third mean, rail for me i was like no way am i going back to the smiths well going back I, to I, got, smiths, yeah. I got burned so badly on smiths once in these drafts yeah. and i, I can't <laughs> go back another guy who um i don't know if he's if he could like totally qualifies as a yep. tree he was seven he was seven foot one but there was um again there's like something about like uh these guys like when they don't like really f- fully realize their potential or something like that yeah. but um a guy who I'm just like endlessly fascinated by for some reason is Jim McElvain. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Something about him, his flat top and goatee combo and um, <laughs> his, his just kind of like weird, like yeah. career. Um, I don't know. At some point I feel like we need to talk more about Jim McElvain. Uh, um, couple of notable, yeah. a couple notable guys for me. Um, you know, it just made me think of it. You mentioned about, uh, you mentioned about Keith Kloss and his and his drinking problem was actually uh, one of the guys that I was looking at was um, Frederick Weiss, who never played oh, yeah. in the NBA but was drafted by the Knicks with the 15th pick in the first round of the 1999 NBA draft. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, a pretty honestly tragic, sad story. He never made it to the NBA, and he was very much like tormented by his... Um, by like just the whole state of his life that he was this gigantic guy. He had these enormous expectations that he could never fulfill. He was never going to make people happy. And, uh, he was always someone I was very interested in. I did a little bit of reading on him this past week. I was happy to hear that. Um, very sadly he had a failed suicide attempt, but, uh, he has since kind of, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, it, it got really dark for this guy. But um, he has since kind of turned his life around. He uh, he's quit drinking. He uh, he had some issues with his wife. They reconciled, and they now run a uh, little tobacco shop and bar in France. Um, so Frederick Weiss was on my radar. Greg Ostertag, mm-hmm. you remember Greg Ostertag? Oh, Ostertag, yeah. yeah, very similar to McIlvain. Yep, kind of like just very like much. A big I thought they were actually the same like, person. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> and then um, it's possible. Yeah, like you 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 said before uh, with um, Sabonis, like you get into this territory of is he a tree? Is he not a tree? Um, mm-hmm. Yao Ming was on my radar. Uh, sure, yeah. I he, feel like Yao was just like too good to be a tree. Exactly. I mean, uh, by by the standards of his NBA resume, um, you know, he, I mean, eight time All Star, two time All NBA, uh, uh, two time All NBA second team, three time All NBA third team, first team yeah. All NBA rookie. Um, 
this guy was a special, special player. His career was cut short by injuries, but um, I just I didn't feel like he was quite a tree. Uh, and then other other guys I was thinking about, um, you know, again similar in terms of like I wasn't sure if they qualified, but was uh, Zildrudis Elgalskis, Michael Olakambi. Yeah, yeah. And then um, mm-hmm. a guy that didn't last very long in the league was um, Hashim Thabit, uh, yeah, who, who sure. played uh, who played at UConn and then was drafted by the Grizzlies and kind of flamed out. But all right, that what is... was the deal with the Pete? Was he, was he just like not like too slow? Like how did he how did he miss? Like mm, I don't know. I we don't, don't need to I, get into it yeah, all. But I, I think there were maybe some work ethic issues. Um, mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, he was slow footed. I think he had some injuries, and uh, I think there was maybe also just like some personality differences between him and the coaching staff. And he just he never really clicked, and uh, he, yeah. he kind of fizzled out kind of quick. Um, you yeah. see, that is the that is the tree draft. Wow! Can we recap? Can we Absolutely. run down the teams at the? Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll give you my team. I have Sean Bradley, Manute Bull, mm-hmm. George wow. Mirasan, Boban. That is that's so much height. You have <laughs> Bo- yeah, Boban Marjanovic and Arvidas Sabonis. Wow! Fantastic. I gotta say, I am delighted with the with my trees. That is like thirty feet of humanity. Yes. If yes. you laid them head to toe. Yes, exactly. And give me your squad. Oh my God. Let's see. I had uh, Mark Eaton. So so worth it, by the way. That trade. I couldn't. I couldn't be happier with how that worked out. Oh yeah. Uh, e- Eaton, Tree Rollins, uh, Randy Brewer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Artist Gilmore and Keith Kloss. Very very happy with my squad. Love kind it. of you know kind of a, a hodgepodge, uh, a motley crew. But but boy, those are some trees. All right, BC. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and to all our listeners. I hope you guys enjoy the tree draft. We will be back next week. We will be drafting. uh, Should we tell them? Yeah, we we can tell them. We're going to be drafting NBA nicknames. So look for that next week. And uh, BC, thanks for hopping on the pod. We'll talk to you soon. Always. A pleasure. All right. That was the trees draft with Ben Craw. Hope you guys enjoyed that. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Send me your emails at OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. We are live. We are on the web. www.OnTheLinePodcast.com. Listen to the show in Stitcher and iTunes. Leave a review. Hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas, a great week, and I'll talk to you guys in the new year.